Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Inside the Game of Politics with Pat McCrory is presented by Felix Savatis Mercedes-Benz of South Charlotte, Charlotte's premier Mercedes-Benz dealer and the Carolinas' number one volume sales leader. Over 300 new and 200 pre-owned vehicles always available. Visit mbcharlotte.com. As a governor, mayor, businessman, I know the game. Been played by the game. Now we are exposing the game for you. This is Inside the Game of Politics with Pat McRory. Doug Lebda, one of the most dynamic, innovative entrepreneurs who started with an idea and has grown an idea into one of the most famous business brands in America, Lending Tree. Doug Lebda founded Lending Tree in 1996, which revolutionized how consumers shop for loans and how lenders reach new customers. Doug is CEO of LendingTree, but before founding LendingTree, Doug worked as an auditor and consultant for PricewaterhouseCoopers after receiving his bachelor's degree from Bucknell University. He then went on to UVA Graduate School, where he further developed the idea of LendingTree and left the graduate school in the middle of studies to go ahead and start that business. He has since completed his MBA degree at the University of Virginia, while growing a dynamic multi-billion dollar company. It's our honor to have Doug Lebda as our special guest. Give me an example of the good, the bad, and the outrageous or funny of some political involvement that you've had during your career and during your life. We'll first start out with the good of politics. Give me an example that people have never really heard about, about the good of politics. So I'll... Um First one I'll tell you is good and and then also cynical. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I was in New Orleans listening to Ronald Reagan do his win one for the Gipper speech for George Bush. I was a page uh, at the Republican National Convention, and I was sitting there crying, feeling so inspired by this. And then I saw the political operatives who were coordinating the chants. And so I was this simultaneous, like, wow, that's amazing, and then going, this is a show, and it kind of bummed me out. So that was the first time, the innocence of politics. Yeah. I was 18 years old. I believed <laughs> deeply in these in the principles that I believed in, and then I saw that there's an aspect of it that is basically making a show. It's, it was reality TV before you knew what reality TV was all it's, about. It was all a setup. It's so true. Um, and uh, But... I'll never forget that speech, and I'll never forget uh, uh, hearing Ronald Reagan, and um, gosh, what an awesome dude. What was the other – you were you were going to tell me a story about a politician who we heard a lot of bad things about, but you actually had some good things to say about him that you didn't – most people don't know. Yeah, Mark Sanford, who was a congressman from South Carolina and – And uh, governor of South governor Carolina. governor of South Carolina, was on my board, and that was the uh, – I would say substance over form, where I always go back to who's substantive. I always found this with you, too, and, uh, when you were doing politics. Um, 
he was an incredible board member, a great guy, uh, really cared about his issues, um, and you know, got a raw deal. Well, Mark Sanford got involved in some controversy due to an affair he had with a, a woman in Argentina, and it became kind of a joking matter. And then he went on live TV and in some ways embarrassed himself, but he was just trying to dig himself out of the hole. And you and I both saw new Mark beforehand and saw him trying to recover from a personal embarrassment. And we kind of saw he's a smart guy, a fun guy, a great dad. Give he, me some examples of his intelligence, too. Uh, he gave me a book to read. I, I'll think of the name of it that was so in-depth on the economy. And that's something I always loved about him and that uh, something that frustrates me sometimes in politics is when you're in power, all of a sudden your principles change. So I'm a Republican, but I'm all, I also think we should balance budgets. And so it frustrates me to see Republicans, oh, they win. Oh, we don't care about balanced budgets anymore. Um, and, uh, and that, I just wish people would stick to their principles. When you see politicians now with certain flaws, and you knew Mark Sanford, who had a flaw, made a mistake in his life and his marriage, do you now kind of give more forgiveness to politicians or public figures yeah, who, all, may, who, who, who step on the wrong side like we all do every day? Yes, and uh, absolutely, and I think we're all human. And that's the thing. So it's you know, a reporter will report somebody's foibles. People like you, you live in this, you know, bubble, um, and uh, and then it becomes image management. Um, so yeah, I, now I when I look at somebody doing something right or wrong, uh, I try to really understand their heart. Another uh, example I had of sort of that cynicism. I'll never forget when I w- I can't remember the congressman's name. But years ago, Lending Tree was trying to do stuff in real estate and were lobbying, which bad word, but to try to basically get access to listings on the internet, which before it was, uh, before it actually happened. And I'll never forget a congressman takes me into one of those little side rooms. It's like uh-huh. a broom closet. And he says to me, he goes, So who's against your issue? And I said, The National Association of Realtors. And he goes, Ooh, I can't go up against the realtors, but you're right on the substance. So keep going, keep uh, keep fighting for that. But I can't take a stand on it. I was like, "Are you serious?" So you believe the issue, and then you and you won't take a stand on it. So in one regard, I compliment the congressman where he flat out told you why he wasn't going to do something because of the power of a powerful lobbying group. Yeah, but you also go, "Are you kidding me? You're supposed to do the best thing, regardless of that." So he was. Maybe more interested reelection, but I could say at least he told you that as opposed to lying. Yeah, it's amazing that I uh, I've always learned that a quick no is actually better than a slow maybe or a yes or a BS yes. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> exactly, and uh, so I was very happy he told me. Um, at the same time, it hit me that uh, you know w- where do your principles stand? And uh, I remember years ago, a friend of mine was a was a page uh, for a congressman. And I said, why do politicians stay in office for decades? And he goes, Doug, the minute somebody calls you Mr. Chairman, you're hooked and they can't leave it. And everybody's a chairman of some committee. And, uh, and so once you're Mr. Chairman, it's hard to get out of there. 
I remember being sworn in as 74th governor of North Carolina, and all of a sudden they said, Your Excellency, Pat McCrory. And I looked at my wife, and she gave me a John Belushi <laughs> eyebrow look like, not in my world, Your Excellency. Exactly. But, but it, it can go to your head. Yeah. It can go, and that happens in business too, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. With CEOs and it, chairmen, sure. And, and it's the same. Uh, it's the same principles, right? No CEO is perfect. No person is perfect. Um, and you just gotta stick to your principles. And and the thing that I always liked about you, I liked about Mark, was that uh, it was principle based. I know you. We weren't. A, you weren't a politician to make money, clearly. Uh, and uh, but. Some people are, it's, for some people, it's a pay raise. Yeah. And it kind of bums me out when it's a pay raise as opposed to you, you know, uh, being a substantive person to say, you know what, I want to go do public service as opposed to it being a job. So you gave me some examples of the good, including Mark Sanford, who we only hear bad things about. Sadly, he, he's eulogy will include or his obituary will include the controversy he's in when CNN or whoever does his obituary, when you and I know him, where 99% of his life was a great, great human being and great public servant. But that's the way life is now in the public world. What about the so bad? I, by the way, I don't think he'd mind me telling this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first day I met him, uh, I said, how you doing? And most people would answer, oh, I'm great, you know, sort of the, the fake, I'm good. He said, Pretty bad, actually. And it took me by surprise. I said, why is that? And he said, well, if I didn't blow myself up, I'd be running for president right now. And he took that with humility and grace and, um, you know, and stuck to his guns. We can all relate to some of that. Oh. If we had done something different, our life would be different. But Nothing like redemption. As my dad it. used to say, before my dad passed away, I asked him the question. He was dying of cancer and he only had two weeks to live. I said, Dad, would you do anything different in your life? He said, you know, I'd probably do a lot of things different in my life, but if I had done them differently, a lot of the good things that happened in my life maybe wouldn't have occurred. I agree. Amen. I went, Wow. Wow. So the bad of politics. Um, I'll tell you what I think is. So now I'll shift gears to the uh, substance to where it's where it's good. It sounds bad, but it's actually good. I I think that the public many times thinks that politicians do stuff because you gave them money. So mm-hmm. there's always this quid pro quo feeling. Concept. Yeah, but and honestly, I'm a. I, I don't I've never seen it happen now. I'm sure it has happened, but I think most people who are in politics get support and get financial support from people who think like them as opposed to you can influence them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I and and for the most part, I think uh, people stick to their principles. I also do love to. Uh, which I think is good is our U.S. Constitution. If you think about the separation, the checks and balances, like whether you agree with a president or not, but gosh, what a, an amazing document that our founders actually wrote that has kept us out of trouble when you look at all these other governments, you know, being corrupt all over the world. And, um, and we've got an awesome system right here. You know, I'm curious, talking to a CEO of a major United States company founded right here in North Carolina, Actually, founded in Pennsylvania and Virginia, and then moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. But I'm kind of curious the transitionary of going from Obama to 
Trump or from Bush to Obama, it's always a smooth transition. That's actually not always the case in the corporate world. Sometimes the business just falls apart due to the change in leadership. You know, it's actually a really interesting thing. There's you, you don't have the same checks and balances in a company that you do in politics. So if uh, a CEO goes or gets fired or a CFO, um, people start trying to read into it. They start uh, trying to think there's something more behind the scenes. Um, and a lot of times somebody actually did retire, even though they might be saying, like, I want to go spend more time with their family. Sometimes that's true. Um, and uh, so, yeah, those transitions are very, very tough. That's why boards of directors spend a lot of time. I always say the board of directors job is to hire and fire the CEO, help with the strategy. And then how can I help the company? And let's do the governance stuff fairly quickly, do it right, and then shift into, okay, how can I help? And what's interesting about the board of directors, which I served on your board of directors for two and a half to three years, our number one responsibility by law has to be to the stockholders. Yeah. And you wonder if that concept applied to politicians. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, really. Think about that. I, it just hit me. wonder if politicians by law had to say their number one responsibility is the stockholders of the United States of America. That would be amazing because if you think about it, a lot of them aren't and a lot of them are. And, uh, and it depends. Um, we haven't even talked about the media. Um, that's a good and bad and ugly too. But, um, um, you know, I, um, I'm at a loss for words. The outrageous or funny in politics? Um, Let's stop that. that we'll, we'll just pick it up right there. Say that again. Say the outrageous. All right. Give me an example now of the outrageous or funny in politics. In fact, earlier, before we did the broadcast, you, you gave me an example of a presidential candidate, Elizabeth Warren, had, who you had some interaction with. It was, I thought it was kind of interesting, in, in some ways outrageous, but in, in some ways human-like. Um, so I agree deeply with, uh, the CFPB and the fact that, um, give, give us the acronym of this, uh, CF, uh, consumer financial protection bureau. Mm -hmm. This is something that came up, uh, after I believe, uh, the 2008, uh, crisis mm -hmm. and, um, and Elizabeth Warren was a big proponent of that, yes. a very liberal when politician still, right. right before she was in the Senate or mm -hmm. might've been right after she was elected. Uh, somebody who I was on another board with introduced me. And we had a great back and forth email exchange right up until I talked about the free market. And then she didn't, because I, I said Lending Tree is the for profit CFPB. And that did not resonate well because we believe making banks compete uh, works. And I'll tell you another funny story about their CFPB. They spent, I don't never forget, million, I think it was $15 million to come up with a website that had mortgage rates on it. They were completely inaccurate and they didn't need to do it. And uh, because it exists out there in the, in the, in the public sphere anyway. So why do you think they did it? Um, the regulate, they felt that they were doing the right thing for the consumer, but they were giving inaccurate information. And I, and it was interesting and again, I'm a big believer in what they're doing, and uh, and uh, and we get a lot of support there. But um, for a while, 
companies were just waiting on the regulations. And uh, one of the things I like to say a lot is companies don't necessarily need to know which way the regulation's going. You just need certainty. If you have certainty and everybody's competing on a level playing field, uh, we'll figure it out. But the, but sitting there and waiting for a regulation or for you know some new promulgation of a rule or something like that, that can have a, uh, a major impact. And the waiting is what I think causes sometimes the economy to freeze up. Before we end, I've got to get your opinion on one thing, and that's the money in politics and the fundraising. I know you have a lot of opinions on this. You and I, I hate the money grabbing. That you know, When I ran for mayor, when I ran for governor, when I ran for re-election as governor, gosh, the amount of money I have to raise, and you hit up the same people who get hit up by all the same people, Republicans and Democrats, independents, all go after the same money. And it actually ends up being a pretty small pool for the, the bigger checks, the $2,000 checks. Right. And you have some pretty strong opinions about that because people now know that you're successful. So every politician calls you up for money, a contribution, which puts you in a terrible spot because they're all good people. Some you agree with, some you don't agree with. How do people who have been successful like yourself deal with all these politicians asking you for money? I'm throwing you a curveball. Yeah, I um you you have to, I guess there's the uh these are from city council members to state legislators to senators to- You know, something that I've always thought is I kind of almost wish we had soft money back again because I don't believe that a politician or anybody can be effective $2000 at a time. One of the things I do like that I'm seeing recently are these small dollar donations that are uh, that are coming in and flowing. Um, but it it's you have to spend. When I heard that a member of Congress has to sit there and go across to a call center yeah. on Capitol Hill and sit there on a phone for on a hours, phone, it's insane. And um, I wish the parties could just say, you know what. Here's a million dollars. Like here's the person we wanna we run a run. Now that had issues too, but a right. lot of times government fixes a problem and then creates another one. But uh, um, you know, another one I think interestingly is earmarks. I think that the fact that you can't strike a deal with somebody across the aisle by saying, okay, this is economically immaterial, but why don't we make a trade and then you can actually get more to the middle as opposed to. Um, everybody just ending up in their camp because you're because money you can't run without the money boy what a great observation because when we got rid of earmarks during the obama administration and it was done i think for the right reasons yeah it was done to take the politics out of certain things but also it stalled it stalled deals from being made compromises from being made and john mccain who's a uh you know, he really led that and somebody I really respect. And it's one where maybe there were adverse consequences the wrong way. Good intentions, but bad results. You got it. Happens in business. It happens in politics. Doug Lebda, it's been an honor. Thanks for listening to Inside the Game of Politics with Pat McCrory. To contact the show, email Show at WBT.com. You can hear more from Pat every weekday morning from 8 to 10 on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT or at WBT on Radio.com. 
Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.